I can only imagine how many applicants, communities, or companies even get for one position. You know, that number is probably astronomical. And not everyone is going to be the right fit for that role, right? And so it's you're cleaning up your database and you're choosing the ones that you want to reach out to that, you know, match the skill set for the role. It's just how quickly are we able to do those things? Welcome to season six of Bridge the Gap, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Inquire, Connected Living, Hamilton Capital, Refera, ServiceMaster, Patriot Angels, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. The contributors are brought to you by Peak Senior Living and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. I am Josh, and I'm so excited to have with me today Katie Churchill, the managing partner at Full Spectrum Search Group. And our listeners, our regular listeners know that, Katie, you are no stranger to the Bridge the Gap team. You have been a not only a Bridge the Gap ambassador, but you have been a regular contributor. So if people have seen our magazines, our socials, our posts, our episodes, they know your face and they know what they're in store for. So welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We could sit and talk with you for hours because you are a wealth of information and I always love the conversation, but A few things we're going to talk about today involves around recruitment and prepping for when you actually have that interview. So I can't wait to talk with you. I've got my notes ready. And so I know our listeners will want to probably replay this multiple times. But before we get started on that, what is going on in the world of Katie? The world of Katie is chaos. Chaos at home, personal life, two kids. It's just always on the go, always on the move. And then with work, it's been a very fun first start of the year. Quarter one was a great time. We're ready for quarter two, three, four, and you know what's to come beyond that. But it's been it's been a really good year so far. I like 2023. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. So let's just dive right in. I don't know any team out there anywhere in any industry, but especially in senior living where it's a hot topic. That's what's keeping a lot of people up at night is thinking, you know, how do I get the right team and not only get the right team, but how to hold on to the right team. And so walk us through kind of your cheat sheet. You know, we've got 15 or 20 minutes here. So we, we obviously can't get your, your full unload, but if you could give us a few pointers, where would you start? The biggest topic that keeps up everybody at night is, you know, resident safety, right? First and foremost, but then also that making sure you have the right people in the right seats, if you will. And a lot of that comes from talking to your team members. We call it more of matchmaking, right? So if it makes sense to us, it makes sense to our client. It has to make sense to the candidate that the reason why they would work for that company keeping needs, wants, and desires at the very forefront for all of our team members. And I think a lot of operators do this really well, where they have constant check-ins with their team members of more than just, are you happy? But asking, where do you see yourself a year from now with our teams? Where do you see yourself five years from now? And how can we prepare and make steps to have that happen? And I think that that is critical in 
keeping people within the family, if you will, within the company, but then also making sure that you are promoting career development, professional and personal development for the people that support your communities or your teams. Let's skip over for just a minute, a huge conversation, which would be just the whole aspect of your strategy for recruitment, right? Yeah. That's that's a conversation in and of itself, which we may get to. But let's talk about once you actually have a potential candidate and that all-important interview. I can honestly say that some of my communities and possibly even myself through the years, you get in feeling like a panic or a crisis mode, like, I have got to get someone warm-blooded into this position and you get short-sighted and yeah, you maybe skip. <laughs> yeah, it's very dangerous. <laughs> um, and you skip some steps or you maybe skip some of your processes or questions, but very important to have a game plan and a strategy that's best practice and to execute that. So can you talk us through your best practice recommendations, assuming you have a candidate pool and you have that group that you're about to start interviewing what do we do step one and walk us through some best practice? Yeah. I mean, first I would say right now it is competitive. I mean, it is just, it's a competitive market and one of your candidates could be interviewing with three of your competitors. So speed to lead, I'd say is number one, the most important. Also making time for those interviews. Don't put them off a week from now or a week and a half from now. Make yourself on your calendar schedule I have two hours this afternoon to do interviews and stay true to it. When we do the same thing with move-ins, right? We don't say, okay, well, let me call you next week. I might have time next week to tour you. No, we're getting them in as fast as possible. So it's the same thing with our candidates and talking to them of when do you have available time and when can I get you booked as soon as possible instead of waiting for so long. The other part of it too would be interview prepping for both the candidate. You know, if you're out there job seeking and you're going to interviews, be prepared. And we can talk about a few key points there too. But then also as the operator, be prepared. Know who you're talking to. Do a little bit of research on them, on their past companies or whatever it might be, just so that you can have talking points of, you know, I see you're at this community. Hey, I heard this. And be able to dive in more personally and professionally with your candidate because you know about them outside of their resume. I would say the other part too, as an operator would be to debrief as soon as possible with your other team members. A lot of times then we go to the next meeting, right? And we get a little busy and then we kind of forget, oh wait, did she say this or did she say that? And the moment that you hang up that call or they walk out of your community, writing down the notes, sending the quick email or phone call to whoever it might be of, this is why I think we should move forward. These are questions I wish that I asked the candidate. We did not go over bonus or compensation, you know, and just having a very detailed, almost like synopsis of that person and what we need to do next in order to continue to attract them into our communities or companies. For the candidate, I would say the very first interview is critical. Don't be doing it when you've got back-to-back -back meetings. Make sure that you're scheduling it smartly and strategically. Don't be doing it while you're in the car or on vacation. Do it when you are really able to sit down and focus and block out the outside world. I think that is probably the most critical because we've seen people do it from their cars and Zoom interviews while they're driving. And it's just, 
first of all, not professional, but then also it's just, you're distracted. And that is the key part. We have so many different technology things beeping at us at all times that it's important to just sit and focus and put it all away for a minute. With candidates, we do talk about the goals for that position. You should know that right off the bat, because if you feel like you have the tools in your toolbox to be able to execute on this company's goals and their mission, great. If you feel like, whoa, this is way out of my wheelhouse or something that I don't want to do moving forward, you can stop it right then and there where you can now let that operator go and find a different candidate that's able to do those things, or you move forward in the interview talking about the goals, talking about even compensation off the bat, if that's very important to you. It's important to 99% of the world. Um, So talking about compensation, um, I just want to be compensated fairly for what this position entails. And then also scheduling next steps. That shows that you can close. You want to move it forward. You're prepared to move forward. And you're already getting your calendar out of, yeah, I can meet Wednesday at noon. Great. And it's booked. You don't have to worry about that follow-up piece of, hey, when can we meet next? It can get a little bit daunting, if you will. Yeah. Well, so you just gave us a wealth of information. Yeah, and sorry. I, I want to know. It's good. <laughs> so I, you know, you have to dumb things down for me and slow it down. So I'm going to go back to where you began talking to the employer just a little bit. Sure. You said a phrase that I think is really catchy and it makes yeah. me think that you said a phrase that I think is really catchy and it makes me think of marketing and sales because you said speed to lead. But (laughs) if we can break that down a little bit, you're saying in a highly competitive employment environment where team members are looking and there are employers on every corner trying to hire the best team members, that we have to be quick and respond very quickly and treat that potential candidate, that person that wants an interview as a lead. And so if you think about that, I I think we can overlook that. But in the marketing world, if we're talking about our residents, our members of our communities, I think there's probably not a team out there that doesn't feel a great sense of urgency to contact that potential lead. And you've got marketing and salespeople in every community that are going after that potential and really trying to create an experience, right? From that very first touch point. And they want to be the first touch point. They don't want another community getting there first. So I think that's such a valuable mental vocal trigger that our audience, I know that I'm going to take away from this is think about this just like you would a, like you said, you've got to prioritize this. So just as important as it is to get the resident into the community to get the member into the community, we have to have that same sense of urgency to fill those positions. Such a huge point. And so I think that was like the one takeaway. And so I'm I'm, I'm, like, you're quizzing me here, right? (laughs) Making sure I'm getting this right. The second thing I heard was uh, the prioritization because once you make contact, if you say, oh yeah, that'll be two or three weeks before I have time on my calendar to talk to you and get you in here, that's probably not going to cut it, is it? No. I mean, if you think about it, another operator is probably saying, hey, can you talk this afternoon? That person's going to go, okay. And they're going to get entrenched with that, with that other operator and be able to talk about the opportunity, get excited about the opportunity, where then you lose that person. I can only imagine how many applicants communities or companies even get for one position. That number is probably astronomical. 
And not everyone is going to be the right fit for that role, right? And so it's you're cleaning up your database and you're choosing the ones that you want to reach out to that you know match the skill set for the role. It's just how quickly are we able to do those things? I bring things back to my previous life as a regional sales director and, you know, the speed to lead. And I like almost in a sense, equivalent like the, a place for mom or caring.com referral sources where they send out the potential residents to indeed. (laughs) It's like, there's a lot of them. If you don't jump on that referral right away, you can lose it. Getting into another aspect of what you brought up. I'm curious of your opinion on this. So you mentioned really doing some homework before the interview to, in any way you can, find out what you can about that potential candidate that you're going to do the interview for and having a, an interview plan, not only a plan of like what you're going to ask and knowing about that person, but then a very interesting point is like how you're going to record that so you don't forget it. How much deviation do you see as you work with corporations and different companies, do you see it's typically this standard interview question and it's like, ask these questions, don't ask these questions. And it's the same for every single interview or are you seeing more variability based on what you've learned or what an employer has learned? And that could change some of the questions. Are you seeing that best practice is always the same questions? I'd say it's a little bit of both. We have some companies that definitely use the same set of set of questions for each candidate. And then on the flip side, I've also coached with clients on how to prepare for an interview of these are the kind of questions you should probably ask if you're wanting more information on financial acumen. Or if you're wanting to understand their strategic mindset, try opening with these kinds of questions. So I've seen it both ways. I've seen the standard sheet of questions that they're just kind of filling out in their data sheet, really. Or I've seen very fruitful conversations where it's very fluid. My preference is the fluid. That's when you're really going to get to know the person as a whole, right? Their goals, their wants out of leaving their current situation to go to maybe your operator. And you're able to really dig in a little bit deeper for more of a culture standpoint. Culture is huge. I mean, it has to make sense. You, you have to like each other, right? Like you don't love who you work with, you know, it's kind of a bummer. So you have to love who you work with and you have to be able to connect not only professionally, but also personally as well. And I know that's, treading a fine line, especially in the very first interview. But as you go through multiple steps, you absolutely should have a pretty good capture of that person. I also suggest taking maybe that candidate out to dinner with their spouse or their partner and breaking bread. What better way to get to know an individual than sitting down and having a meal together or even lunch, whatever it might be. But it kind of also alleviates a little bit of pressure. Right. It's two professionals connecting. I actually heard a famous person telling a story about that. And they actually chose, they took two different candidates out and they chose probably the less qualified person (laughs) on paper, (laughs) but it was because of how they treated the server when they, and treated the people while they were out to dinner is actually what caused that employer to choose the person because that's the kind of team member and the values they wanted represented. So I think you can learn a lot from someone in that scenario, different than what you could just in a 
the Q&A inside of a, maybe a more sterile office environment. Right. And it can be a little bit overwhelming and there's a lot of pressures to act like on point, you know, when you're interviewing and when you're sitting down and just having a meal and you can teach skills, but you can't teach the other part, you know, that empathy, like you were saying, you know, how you treat other people. That's not necessarily coachable in a way. I mean, it probably can be, but you know, if they have that and they're just a generally a good person, but maybe lacking in a a couple of different skills that you can coach to, I mean... That's a great person. Yeah, it's it's a little bit more <laughs> difficult to change values that, that inform <laughs> yeah. our decisions. So, okay. Yeah. So for the sake of time, um, we're covering a lot of ground here, but let's talk mm-hmm. about, okay, you made some really good decisions. You've hired someone that you believe is the best person. Now your goal is not only to get them on board, but gosh, I've got to keep them. What would you say from the time that you make the decision what are things that you can do from day one that lays a firm foundation for retention? What would be some best practices? From the moment they accept the offer, you know, they've, the candidate then has put in their resignation with their previous employer. That next couple of weeks, it's, it's usually two weeks to 30 days, right? During a, a resignation time. During that time, that is critical. That you should be checking in with your person, your new hire. I mean, weekly, a couple times a week, if you will. Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah, we're just getting your laptop sent to you. Whatever it is, you know, having an excuse to call of checking in with them, letting them know how excited you are that they are joining your team. We have seen that go very south very quickly when somebody didn't hear from their hiring manager in two weeks and they're like, I don't want the position anymore. That's That to me is showing a lack of support it's fair. You know, it's probably a little bit too rough, but you know, it's fair. And and those things imprint and those emotions imprint on that person throughout the onboarding process. Then the next, the first 90 days, pretty critical, have an onboarding plan in place. Who's going to be at the community to work with them side by side as they're getting to know their new position and their new company's policies and procedures. Who's going to be at the corporate office that's getting them all set up through all the technology, you know, have the email ready to go by day one. You know, all of those things that we don't think are really deal breakers, but they do eventually matter, especially throughout the 90 days as they're tracking their new company and their performance that they're having. It is imperative that they feel like the first 30 days was a very good, healthy 30 days. One of the, I think the most important things that's probably the most often overlooked of what you just said that is so informative is I'm hearing a strategy for the experience between the offer and the actual first day at work. So whether that's a week, two weeks, three weeks, however long that time is, you've got to be very intentional with your strategy to set up a, a good first day. Yep. Very intentional, be strategic about it, have a plan in place, make sure everybody knows the plan. There's multiple people that are usually connected to indirectly to each employee, right? So making sure all partners of of whoever is overseeing this person are all on board with what the plan is and making sure you, you know, they have a copy of the plan, you know, in your first two weeks, you're going to meet with so-and-so and and then you're going to meet with so-and-so, you know, and whatever that might look like, at least then that person who's coming into a brand new situation probably very nervous, you know, at least understands, okay, this is what I have to look forward to. And this is the plan. And like going back to interview process, I'd say that piece is also critical in establishing your process as an operator of making sure you don't deviate from 
the cadence of interviews so that the candidate knows, okay, I've done two interviews. They said there's going to be four, so I'm halfway through so that they understand where they stand in the process as well. And if you don't really think they're going to be your person, you're feeling cold feet about them, let them know sooner than later. <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of, it's, it's hard to break up, but you have to do it so that they can move on too. This has been a crash course from interview prep through excellent onboarding to lay a great foundation for retention of that great team member. I know our listeners, I mean, this was just enough. It was almost like a tease yeah. to make them want to reach out to you. And I know that they'll be able to do that because we're going to connect our listeners, our viewers to you on btgvoice.com, on all of our socials. We've even got TikTok now. How crazy Ooh. is that? Can you believe that? We've got TikTok. I can't believe- I don't want to record a TikTok and maybe you I guys know. I can't it. even <laughs> believe our producer let us do that, but that's crazy. Um, but uh, before we close, just curious, how is the first year of being a Bridge the Gap ambassador been? Oh, it's been great. I mean, what a great group of individuals and professionals. The group chat just goes off. <laughs> I'm like, wow, there's so many things I've missed throughout this day. And I love that. It's all connecting people with each other. I've actually had probably about five now one-on-one -on -one meetings with some of the people in the network just to kind of understand what they do for a living, right? There's a whole variety. You know, we've got consultants and interior designers. You know, and I'm like, hey, so tell me about that. How'd you get into that? You know, and, you know, and it's, I think for all of us, it's, it's just a wonderful platform to connect with other professionals in the industry nationwide. And then even better when we all get to meet in person. Right. And I missed, I didn't go to Tala and I was really bummed about that, but just seeing everybody taking the selfies together and connecting and being able to connect friends with each other and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's been incredible. Well, it's so good to have you as an ambassador. It's It's been really fun for, and I can speak for Lucas on this too. We talk about it as that program over the last couple of years has just exploded. Mm -hmm. There's so many ambassadors from all over the country and in so many different sectors of our industry now. We obviously go to a lot of events, but there's so many that we don't. And we always love to see these gatherings of the ambassadors at all of these events. And no matter what event you go to in senior living, there's always going to be a Bridge the Gap ambassador group there. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> either a large group or a small group, but there's going to be a group there. So it's so fun. Thank you for all that you do uh, oh, no. to get thank back you. to the industry. <laughs> and thank you for being a regular contributor of ours. Thank you for taking time today to be on the show. We're going to connect our listeners to you, Katie, and congratulations on all the success that you are having, being a valuable resource. And we're going to wrap up the show today. Thank you all for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.